Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Don't want to repeat things that were said and prayed already, so I won't. All are welcome. Nobody's perfect. Anything is possible. Remember that? Yes? No? Okay, we want to remember that. Invitation on our website. <clears throat> I'm just humbled by your being here. Your continued faith and service to the Lord is an encouragement to me. If you want, turn to Isaiah 5. We'll use that as our opening scripture, as you can see there on your ticket. As we know, scripture is filled with parables and allegories, uh, figures of speech which use stories and uh, common things to teach spiritual truths. It's uh, the way God chose to do it. It helps us to remember because it connects things with daily life. The vine was one such item, and the vine here being discussed is a grapevine. Uh, wine was a very central part of the Israelites' life and worship. And the vine is used in the Old Testament a great deal to speak of Israel, several places. And you can check all these out if you want. Psalm 80, Jeremiah 2, Ezekiel 15, and Hosea 10, and there may be others. This little illustration. But we're going to go to Isaiah 5 and talk about this vine. Isaiah writes, Let me sing now for my well-beloved a song of my beloved concerning his vineyard. He dug it all around and removed its stones and planted it with the choicest vines. And he built a tower in the middle of it and also hewed out a wine vat in it. Then he expected it to produce good grapes, but it produced only worthless ones, or some translations there have wild grapes. This was a common practice in Israel. Uh, Someone planted a vineyard, and we can see here that this vine dresser is going to uh, great lengths to be a good vine dresser and take care of his vineyard. Uh, it's a fertile hill. He digs all around the ground like we would do if we were going to plant a garden. He gets rid of all the stones. He gets his tiller out, all right, digs up the dirt, and he prepares the dirt for the planting. And he chooses the choicest vine that he can find as a good vine. Is this not anything he finds anywhere? He looks for one and he finds a good one to plant. He builds a tower in the middle of it. And the tower was used to, uh, it was a watchtower to watch for uh, thieves who would come and steal the harvest. Okay, so he puts a tower up. He has a wine vat there. He's prepared to get the grapes, or the wine right out of the grapes, the juice. And uh, 
He expects it to produce good grapes. You know, he's done everything that he can to get this product and uh, to have it for himself. But as the story goes, that didn't work out. He got grapes that were worthless or wild. And I'm presuming the wild grapes meant they were rather small and sour. Okay? Because they were not... A wild grape is like that. It's not tended by anyone. So that's the basic parable there, or allegory. But now let's read on. What is the explanation for this? And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? You know, he's saying, what, what else could I have done to get my good grapes? Why, when I expected it to produce good grapes, did it produce worthless ones? You want to answer that? He's saying to, the, to his people. So now let me tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it will be consumed. I will break down its wall. See, he'd even build a wall around it to keep out the uh, animals and so forth that came when it would come to eat the grapes. Break down its wall, it will become trampled ground. I will lay it waste. It will not be pruned or hoed, but briars and thorns will come up. I will also charge the clouds to rain no rain on it. In other words, it says, I'm done with it. I'm done with it. This is another one of these teachings in Scripture that indicates that Jesus, the Lord God, ended the Hebrew economy, and he brought in a new one. And it's not going to be reestablished. Because look what he says in the next verse. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his delightful plant. Thus he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, a cry of distress. He says, I've done all I can with you. And you are not producing the fruit that I expect, that I want. And so I'm done with you. And we see this eventually happened in AD 70. When the Romans came and destroyed Jerusalem, tore down the temple. And that was basically the end of the Jewish nation as we know it. So what is God going to do? Let's turn over to John 15. I think we, and I know, I'll I'll admit, I never really made this connection with this passage of Scripture, but it's so significant. What is God doing? Is he giving up on having good fruit? No. What does Jesus say here? I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. See the connection? Israel is done. They did not produce what they were supposed to produce. Jesus comes. He is planted by his Father. He says, I'm the true vine. My Father's the vine dresser. 
Don't you love it? Don't you love it when you dig into the scripture and you see all the connections and connect the dots? And it's just amazing. It's all one story. It really is. The true vine, it's authentic, it's reliable. It will produce the fruit which the vine dresser wants, which God expects. He's the real deal. And as I was thinking through this, you know, there's still a lot of false vines out there today. False religions producing bad fruit. There are false gods. There are many philosophies of men which contain worldviews and approaches to life which are void of God. And they're not producing the fruit that God desires. Now, they might be producing a little bit of good here and a little bit of good there, but it's not the complete fruit that God wants, that honors him, glorifies him, and is devoted to his son, Christ Jesus. That's the real fruit. And we'll talk about the fruit in a little bit. I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. These are the branches that are in Christ. They are in the vine. They are attached to the vine. Yesterday I was out in the yard doing... Some pruning, actually. And uh, I trimmed off some branches of our maple tree that were sagging down. And, you know, as soon as I clipped that off, and I got a branch here, it's cut off and separated from that tree. What's going to happen to it? It's going to die, isn't it, eventually? It'll It'll be green for a while, but it's eventually going to die. In this verse 2, he's talking about the branches that are connected to him. They are in Christ. How do we get in Christ? We are baptized into Christ, right? That's what we're taught. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We die with him in the waters of baptism, and we come out alive, a new creation, okay? So, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Uh, If you have a King James study Bible there, there is a footnote that says lifts up. And the Amplified has their cleanses. And I think this is a better translation than takes away. Because he's not ready yet to take away any any branch that's in him. All right? What he's talking about here is pruning the branches. He's talking about lifting up these branches out of the mud, and this is what happens a lot in, in you have a grapevine or grape arbor. These branches, these, they grow so fast that the vine dresser can't keep up with it at times, and they just go on the ground. And so he's got to pick them up, wash them off, and tie them up so that they will grow and stay out of the dirt. So this is what he's talking about here. He's going to lift them up, he's going to cleanse them, he's going to wash them off so that they will bear fruit. And this connects, if you look at verse 3, you are already clean 
because of the word which I have spoken to you. He's talking to his disciple. He says, I've already been cleaning you up, getting rid of all your uh, false ideas, your, your misconceptions, and your misunderstandings about what is true and real in life. I've already been cleaning you up. You're, getting, you're ready to bear fruit now. You're ready to bear fruit. That's what he's been doing with them. And then he goes on to say, and every branch, and back in verse 2, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, so bear more fruit. And we know that is the case as well with any lot of vegetables, and here with, with the grape. You keep trimming it back so you get more little branches that keep growing and bearing more and more fruit. So what we have here, as long as a person who remains in Christ continues to strive to do what's right, God is going to work with you. And that is, should be a comfort. He's not going to just arbitrarily throw you out because you're not producing enough. If you're producing, he's going to work with you to bear more fruit. If you need cleaned up and you're still striving, he's going to clean you up so you can bear fruit. God is just not going to arbitrarily cut you off and throw you away. You know, this pruning and this cleaning up at times might seem painful, you know, because he's trying to get us to change, to do things differently, to get this sin or this wickedness or this bad habit out of my life and change so I can do more things for the Lord and do better things. But this is what he's talking about here. This is about if we're in Christ, he's going to keep working with us and getting us to change, to grow, and to do better in his service. Verse 3, as we said, referring to the word which he's spoken to them has caused them to be clean. And this, this is how we're also cleansed as well, at least part of it. The Holy Spirit, when we're baptized into Christ, of course, takes away our sin. We're sanctified by the Spirit of God in Christ Jesus, cleansed by his blood. But then on a regular basis, as we read and study the word, and we apply that, it's not just about getting knowledge, but it's about applying that knowledge. What, how, what do I need to do to be a better father? Where am I falling short? What do I need to do to be a better mother? Where am I falling short? What do, how do I need to serve the Lord God? Am I being too selfish? Am I being unforgiving? Am I uh, being too greedy? And we have to look in this word and apply that word. This is a way... You know, we continually get cleansed and we can then bear more fruit. It works for us today. It's the same, the same principle. Verse 4 and 5. So he goes on to say, abide in me. You see, that's the, that's the main thing. Stay in Christ. Live in Christ. Abide in me and I in you. There's a connection, you see. Christ abides in the Christian through the Holy Spirit. This is how we have life, and this is how we can bear fruit. We stay in him. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself 
unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. We know that to be true. I'll just illustrate about pruning off tree branches. If you have a garden, you know if the branch is cut off, it cannot bear fruit. And the same is true for us spiritually. If we are disconnected from Christ, if we walk away from Christ, and we say, I'm not serving him anymore, we can't bear fruit. It's not possible. There's a lot of these not possibles and cannots in Scripture, and we really need to let them sink in. He says, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. And that's one for us to remember, okay, who we are. He's the vine. He is the main source of life. He is the one to empower us to bear fruit. It doesn't come from us. It comes from him. And it comes through the Holy Spirit. He is working through us. Even as we had the reading this morning there, Brad read for us, that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. It's the same idea. It all comes through Christ working through us. Second part of verse 5. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. It's a given. Think about your life. If you're abiding in Christ, being cleansed by the word of God, you will bear much fruit. For he says, apart from me, I don't think you cannot bear fruit. You can do nothing. And he means, you know, spiritually speaking, to glorify God. So abiding in Christ is important. Following the word is important. Remaining faithful is important. Let's just step back for a moment. What is the fruit that he's talking about here? He's, he remains pretty much within the metaphor, the allegory. The fruit, people have tried to explain this, and it's, the best way to think about it is just becoming like Christ because you're connected to him and he is in you, and that is what he's trying to do. He's trying to give you a new heart, all right, a heart that loves like God loves, a heart that forgives like God forgives, a heart... Uh, and a knowledge that sees the world like God sees the world. That there, there are lost souls out there. There are people in trouble and people need help. And it gives us the compassion that we need for those people to help them out. A change of character that we become people of integrity and honesty and hard work and we never tell a lie. We love one another. We forgive one another. We confess our sins. We become like Jesus. We have a purpose in life, and that purpose is to bring glory to God. That's our main purpose, to bring glory to God. We have good and wholesome thoughts. We speak sound words, words of encouragement to others, righteous deeds. We share the gospel. This is the fruit that he's talking about, that we will bear when we are in Christ and he 
is in us. We're still attached to the vine. Verse 6. Now, you see, now, here comes the break. If anyone does not abide in me, all right, this is where the real problem develops. You don't want to stay in me? You want to turn away from me? You want to stop believing in me? Stop loving me? You want to go your own way? He is thrown away as a branch and dries up. Spiritually speaking, you become dead. You're no longer connected to Christ Jesus. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. It's a sorrowful end to a good beginning, but it does happen. But it does happen. And Jesus is saying, you've got to stay in me. You've got to stay attached to me. I'm the vine. I'm the source of life. I'm the source of power to empower you to do what's right. The, uh, the thought here being cast in the fire and being burned, uh, you know, being cut off from Christ, that certainly can happen in this life, but there I think he is talking about the judgment. That would be the end of that person because they've been con- disconnected from the vine, which is the source of life. Verse 7, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There's again the thought of the word from verse 3. The word cleanses us, the word abides in us, the word is what teaches and directs our lives. And he says, with that, if that is the case, You know, here is more help for us in bearing fruit. He's talking about prayer, obviously. Ask the Father, and uh, it'll be given to you. You'll be given help. You'll be given strength. You'll be given guidance, whatever you need to continue to bear good fruit. Look at verse 8. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. I am always astounded, and there are other sections of scripture that indicate that we somehow in this life bring glory to God, and that just, that just humbles me and astounds me and amazes me that we who are in fact sinners, we who are in fact uh, those who fall short, we struggle. And even when we do something halfway decent, it, you know, still it's not the greatest sometimes. But God says that brings me glory. Jesus said it brings glory to God because we have fought against the evil one. We have chosen this course. We have, we have, we have striven hard, and we're doing something right. Even though it might not be, you know, perfection. And that brings glory to God. He accepts that. He says, that's marvelous. That's wonderful. He says, I'm glad to see when you go visit a sick person. When you go offer condolences to someone at the funeral home, they've lost a loved one. When you try to to feed the hungry. When you pray with someone who's lost their way. 
when you try to share the gospel with somebody who you see they're searching and their their life is a mess and you say you know there's there's a way to live that's much better these things bring glory to God these, these little things a cup of cold water we read they bring glory to God and we should not forget that and he accepts that in our own humble and feeble way those things bring glory to God and, as it says in the latter part of verse 8, so prove to be my disciples. That really shows that you are mine when you are doing these kinds of things, when you are bearing fruit. I chose it. There's a test. It's a test. It's an open life test. And we can all examine our own lives in light of Scripture to see. Am I bearing fruit or not? These are the words of the Lord. They're not my words. You know, self-examination is something that we do every Lord's Day morning in the period of meditation. It comes from 1 Corinthians where it says each one should examine himself before he partakes of the supper. To see, am I still on track? Am I doing not this right, but my life right? You know, the, the scripture calls for that in many places. Nine, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. All right, now we're talking about abiding in him. And now we're talking about abiding in his words, and now it's abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So here's how we do that, and he says that in another place. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now here he kind of adds a little bit different thing. He says, and that means you will abide in my love. Now let's understand something. That doesn't mean that someone who walks away from Jesus he doesn't love them anymore. That doesn't, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Here was a world that was in rebellion and wickedness and evil, and God still loved that world, okay? He loves everybody. But what he's talking about here, if you are his disciple, and, he, and if you recall a couple of weeks ago, we went on with this, verse 12, talking, you are my friends. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. He is talking about another level of love, a love of friendship and fellowship and discipleship. That he, love, he, he can love his disciples in a different way than he can love people who are lost in the world. If you just think about it, you understand that. Let's use this illustration. Sometimes... And if it hasn't happened to you, you probably know someone has happened to. Someone in the family, maybe it is a child, uh, there's, a, there's a rift. And there's a separation in that family. And maybe it is, you know, the child that leaves and goes away and doesn't want anything to do with mom and dad anymore. And they, they move a thousand miles away and say, leave me alone. Now, mom and dad still love that child, don't they? Amen? Yes, they do. But 
they cannot love that child the way they could if it was if he or she was still in their house can they they can't do it they can't hug them they can't talk to them they can't help them out they can't offer them advice they can't be with them it's a different level of love and that's what Jesus is talking about here you stay in me you keep my commandments there's a different kind of a love here. This is a close, this is the intimacy he's talking about of those who walk with him. And this is, you know, where all of us, you know, we keep striving for this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Trying to get there to, to, be, to be with the Lord and, and to understand him and to keep his commandments and to keep his word. Verse 11 as we wrap up. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you. All right? His joy in us. Not just that we have joy. You know, I think, again, this goes to the fruit of the Spirit, the, the love, joy, peace. That we have and understand this blessedness. You know, we think about the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That blessedness, that inner joy, that peace and understanding. We are in Christ. We are connected to the vine. We have life. He is working with me. Even though I stumble and fall, he is not going to throw me out. This, this should bring us joy as we live from day to day. And we, we know when we, we do something good that it brings glory to God. And he, he says, yeah, that, that's, that's my boy. That's my girl. It's a marvelous thing, this, this picture that Jesus is painting here of the vine and the branches. That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. A complete joy. Rejoicing that you are in Christ and your life matters to God. And it's making a difference for other people. And that's, that's what life is about. Serving the Lord Jesus, giving our lives to him, and being a blessing to others. The lesson's yours. I am the vine. You're the branches. Are you connected to the vine? Are you in Christ? First of all, we ask that question. Have you been baptized into Christ? Have you begun the new life in him? If not, it's time to make that decision, to begin that walk. And if you are in Christ, is he working with you? Is he pruning? You know, sometimes we get mad when God does something in our life, and we need to reflect and say, what is he trying to do with me? He's just trying to help me bear more fruit, to be a better Christian. Maybe he's been doing that with you. Maybe you need to get back to the Lord. If you need prayer about your life, about abiding in the vine, about bearing fruit, we're here to help you. If you need prayer about anything else, we can pray with you as well. Again, uh, if you want to come forward, that's fine, or talk to one of us on the way out. We are available. If the word of God has touched this morning, 
Don't let it lie dormant. Let it bear fruit. Brother Don.